This is The Analysis, a weekly examination of the culture in light of truth. I'm Deanna Huff. And I'm Mark DeMoss. Join us as we investigate and analyze the environment of the world where we live. We will be shedding the light of God's Word on the issues. And responding as Christians to influence followers of Jesus Christ to share the gospel with those around them. Welcome to The Analysis. Uh, Deanna, as we meet again today and probably for the last time in 2017 with holidays coming and uh, the fact that uh, Christmas is just over a week away as we're recording this and and then we'll, we'll move into a holiday season and so probably uh, we'll talk again and share uh, the analysis with listeners again in 2018 so we look forward to that but as we're in this time of the season and we've been talking about the uh, claims of Jesus as he came God in the flesh and and that story of his birth and the incarnation and what that claim meant and we've talked about how the scriptures point and show and prove that, that those claims are real we've been thinking about that leading into to Christmas and, and that stays with me and at the same time there's some things that have been going on in the political world many people have been listening and watching and observing all of the things that are going on in Alabama which I think have implications on our national scene as well and point back to the president and uh, some similarities and commonalities of these political parties that are at play it made me reflect upon Jesus and his earthly life and some of the expectations that were there in terms of him being a leader and so I want to read a passage out of Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and it frames a conversation about Jesus and, and politics, and probably not politics in the way we use it today, but if they've never read this passage, the listener will, will hear the implications, I think. So Isaiah, prophesying about the coming of the Messiah, is given these words by God to say, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There'll be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And so you you hear all of the government political language uh, that's in that verse. And that led people when the Messiah would be born, to think the leader is going to be a certain kind of leader. You can see throughout other passages as well that they saw, you know, God as this warrior who's going to restore these people among these nations who mm-hmm. are acting inappropriately. And so they believe that Israel was going to be redeemed, restored, all of those things, except redeemed looked different than what they thought was yeah. going to happen right yeah yeah the expectation of uh establishing a government like david's he'll sit on the throne of david uh of course david ruled the language of that speaks to the the warrior like nature of of that kingdom because david couldn't build the temple because he had been a king that shed blood and mm-hmm. so uh, they expected jesus the messiah to come and reestablish their nation as as a great state and great nation and overcome all of its enemies to come and 
beat out the Romans and destroy their enemies and establish a firm hand of rule and a conquering kingdom again. And Jesus came with kingdom language, but it wasn't what they expected. Yeah. In fact, you can see that looking back, as we do as Christians, the establishment that he needed to make first was our restoration with God himself. Because we know that in Revelation, there is going to be this establishment of a new heaven and a new earth, and he is the king of kings, and he will reign, and all of those things. So it's not that those things aren't going to happen. It's just that they were looking for this leader that was going to establish all that among the nations right then in Rome. And since that didn't happen, they were displeased by that. They thought this isn't the one. And their expectations, obviously, were not met. Yeah. Yeah, they they missed really the uh, whole implication. It's interesting that they could see the Old Testament and expect this leader uh, of a certain kind and a certain nature, and yet miss so much of the rest of the scriptures that pointed to the humble birth and the suffering servant life that he lived, and some of those pieces of also that uh, prophecy uh, that they didn't see in Jesus, but began to just reject him outright as couldn't possibly be the Messiah, couldn't be the Christ, the anointed one or the expected one, because he's failing that. Yeah, and it's so true often in our own lives that we do that ourselves. You know, we have these expectations of people or we have these expectations of God. We have these expectations and they go unmet and we think, okay, well, where are you, God? I mean, you're not showing up. You're not delivering. You're not doing what I expected you to do. But Jesus really wasn't making the claims to make us all happy, was he? Right, yeah. (laughs) I mean, he was really making claims that you know, there was something in the garden in the beginning that was lost, and that was our relationship mm-hmm. with him. And he's making this claim that he desires to dwell with us, to be with his yeah. people, and he's going to pave a way for that. Yeah, the, the purpose for his coming, the establishment of the kingdom, and the language that we read from Isaiah that's promising this kingdom, you go, well, if he didn't do that, then the prophecy was wrong. No, he's laying that groundwork, and the kingdom is built off of restoring the relationship with God. That's The kingdom's built by you becoming a citizen again of the kingdom. As you're cast out by your sin, you're separated from God's kingdom because of sin. And so he came, he had to establish the kingdom principle, or the way into the kingdom. He had to live the life worthy, righteously, to die for our sins. Yeah, and what's so good about that is now, today, we can have the ability to have a relationship with Him, have the Holy Spirit living within us. And so in this world, while it's still fallen before God restores it all, then we have this ability to reflect what He desires from us to other people and to be able to communicate what His claims were and what he desires for us to be in his kingdom. Yeah, it's almost like we're the exiles. When you think about the Old Testament, we're in that time period where the people had to be exiled, and we're kind of in that exile moment. The kingdom is future. It's coming. He's going to restore his people. He's going to set up his kingdom. Uh, We're living currently part of that kingdom. We'll be in it, but we're not in the land. We're not. We're, we're in the other land still, waiting for the fulfillment of the kingdom. Yeah, and so while we're waiting, what's interesting is to 
uh, look forward and to be able to have those expectations to be met in Christ. Yeah. Right? And not met in our governments, not met in the people around us. And sometimes we want to do that. We want to have this claim that somebody's supposed to serve us a certain mm-hmm. way. And yeah. when they don't, then we're upset by it and we're defeated in our spirit. And so we just want to cut them off. Or even in the political realm, you know, these this politician didn't meet my expectation. And so now yeah. I just want to cut them off. But the the reality is is that when we have people in front of us we we ought to think about who they are as a person have they been restored in god's kingdom Mm. do they have the ability to lead in those areas where we have these expectations and i'm not saying we don't confront truth and all of those things i mean if there's issues we ought we ought to confront those things but to have the expectations in mankind over having our expectations in God alone, then we misplace where our allegiance should be and where where we should be when we are looking for our needs to be met. We're looking for man to fill it as opposed to God to be filling it. And I think that that's what the Jews were doing. I think they were upset because he wasn't fulfilling those things that they desired on top of the fact that he was claiming to be God. I mean, you know, they were really upset about that because he wasn't being the person they thought he should be. Yeah, yeah, he's not fitting into the mold of what they wanted. And he's claiming to be something that they couldn't believe he could be. And so it was... Uh, and the claims of him being God are um, we've talked some about that but that's where our expectation needs to lie but thinking about the the political realm and our expectations of leaders today I, I expect someone with a secular mindset and a, and a secular worldview to perhaps look at leaders of companies or leaders in the political realm and go that's going to be my savior that's what's going to bring me happiness. That's what's going to bring me fulfillment. Because I want life to go a certain way, and they're promising to make it go that way. I want these freedoms, or I want these choices, or I want this kind of social system, and they're promising that. And that's what will make life good. So there's my Savior. I, I expect some of the secular worldview to do that. I think what's hard is when we as Christians in the evangelical world begin to do that with political leaders like we fall into that trap and we look at the other side of the aisle and we go they're trying to find a leader that'll be their savior we've got to bring a counterpart and find a leader that'll be our savior so we start looking for human leaders that start talking our lingo using (laughs) phrases or saying they'll do things we think will be right and will make our world better. I want this kind of life. You want that kind of life, but I want this kind of life. You want those kind of laws, I want these kinds of laws. And so I'm going to find it in this person that's promising that. And sometimes don't look at, the, as you pointed out, the do they have what it takes to fulfill the promises that even they make? Like, Do they have, we might call it moral character, but it really goes deeper than that. If you're promising biblical promises... Do you have a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit so that you'll have the internal equipping to accomplish the things that you're talking about or to be the kind of person that you're claiming to be? Yeah, because the Holy Spirit does what? Leads people in all truth, right? Gives guidance, gives wisdom, gives comfort, does all of these things. And that doesn't mean that we can't have 
we can't have a leader in place that is an unbeliever or a doctor, you know, having surgery on us that is not a believer or, or things like that. But what I am saying for certain is that if we want to be able to do well for our community, the best way to do that is to have Christ fulfilling through that leader. And what did Jesus say? There's only, you know, uh, good that comes from God. And so that can be flowing through them. They're going to have that discernment to be able to make those decisions. And I think when we look at Jesus, that's one of the things that we all marvel at is his ability to have these conversations and this ability to communicate and have these cases that he presents through the reading of Scripture. We see all these things in Paul and some of the disciples and as well as the you know Old Testament prophets. And that discernment and that wisdom comes from who he is. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and we we miss I think sometimes um, the fact that if if individuals trying to lead are they're going to be failed they're gonna they're gonna have failures I'm, I almost said they're gonna be failures yeah. <laughs> they're going to have failures right because yeah. they're human uh, there's going to be places that but the expectation that they're going to be able to say this was wrong when this decision was made when this action was taken here's how that's being corrected, or here's, here's how I'm going to handle that going forward. I, I think sometimes we get people into a position that they think they're above any of that. And, and because they are or have had this certain moral standard about their life, that they're beyond needing to apologize for anything. Um, and with Jesus... You had people expecting something that he couldn't apologize for because he was doing <laughs> right. <laughs> and like, you're not meeting my expectations, so tell me, even his brothers at times were saying to him, okay, if you're really the guy, go to the festival and just show it. Yeah. Right? What they're saying is you're not meeting expectations, so if you're the one, prove it. And if you're not, then let's drop the charade. Right? Yeah. And he can't drop the charade he also can't go to the festival and show it because it wasn't his time, and that's what John points out. His time hadn't yet been fulfilled. And so how do we move toward away from where the people were in Jesus' day? You're not meeting our expectations. You're not establishing the kingdom we expected. You're not conquering the enemies we expected. How do we get ourselves out of that as we think about this advent and start thinking about the second advent and the future establishment of the kingdom how do we begin to expect and hope and have our expectations fulfilled in the future of Jesus? Yeah, that's such a great thought, too. As we talk through that, I I will just say that I think that we really have to come to a place where we recognize that he has our best interest in mind and that he what the way he has designed things has been always for our good. I mean, mm. like when he designed the law, you look at it and you think... Why Why is everybody always putting laws on us? I mean, he said, don't steal because you don't want your stuff stolen. He said, you know, don't commit adultery because you don't want people committing adultery in your family. You don't. Right. So these, you can see this, uh, this that he's laying out that 
provides a way that's good for the community, that's good for the whole, but it's good for our relationship with Him. Mm-hmm. And as we get into the New Testament, you continue to see that. You know, love one another. Love as I have loved you. Forgive as I have forgiven you. I mean, you see all these commandments in the New Testament that's yeah. always about restoring, restoring, restoring. And and bringing people from a place where they think they can't be restored. He says, what? I take the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Mm. And I, I love that because yeah. truly I would be considered a fool apart from Christ. Yeah. And so I think as as we're moving in that direction, we encourage people to do that, especially in families as, as we meet over the holidays and talk about, you know, what leaders look like because it comes up. Sure. And, you know, what is this greatest leader and how can our expectations be met in Christ as opposed to, you know, mankind and and hanging on to what's in the future is that reminding ourselves and reading and staying in the word, but reminding ourselves that it's yet to come. Yeah. I mean, he said, I'm, you know, the kingdom is now because he was there. Yeah. But it is also coming, right? Yeah. And so just reminding that. He has our best interests in mind. As we walk through these things, John said, in this world you have many trials, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Mm. And so just continuing to overcome, just continuing to go back to that place and go, I can trust you. Why can I trust you? Because I know you have my best interest in mind. I can see it all throughout the meta-narrative. Yeah. Yeah, from the big picture all the way through, you see his hand at work continuing to be with his people, guide his people, care for his people, fulfilling promises. And and I think that's, you know, the big picture of what you're pointing at. We we remember his faithfulness. He has our best at mind. And so we look forward to that and realize that along the way, we have a role to play in this not yet. And there's other people that are going to be leaders for us. We're going to have positions of leadership. And we want to lead uh, as looking to Christ and trying to lead with Christ-like nature. And we ought to hold those expectations for people that we ask to lead us or we follow if they're claiming those things. And like you said... If my airline pilot doesn't know Jesus, I'm okay with that. <laughs> if my surgeon doesn't know Jesus, I'm okay with that. But he better know how to fly a plane or use a scalpel, right? But if he claims to be a Christian and then doesn't behave as a Christian, that's a different, right? That's a different scenario. So um, just watching for that. But but looking and waiting for Jesus and expecting and hoping in the future for him and not thinking our salvation comes now. And, and, and I do that, I begin to think, if this gets fixed, if this scenario changes, that's when life will be good. And it's not good until he returns. And, and it's only good now based on what he's doing. And even the things I see as hard are helping me prepare for that future kingdom. Yeah, it's interesting because in Psalm 73, sometimes you'll see people have this tattooed on them. They'll say, it'll say something like, my heart, my flesh may fail, but, you know, the nearness of God is my delight. Mm-hmm. And and I continue to challenge my own self in in that because there are things that will want my attention or things that I will put my happiness in for for a moment and then I'll recognize okay wait a second 
and and what was taking place actually in that psalm the the guy was you know upset because he was seeing all these people that that weren't getting what he thought they should get and I think it's interesting because in the psalm, there's a turning point, and it says, but when I went in the house of the Lord. And, wow. I, th- you know, you said yeah. the coming advent uh, or the coming of Christ and his second coming, you know, there are families now who are celebrating advent, remembering that they were awaiting Christ but they were waiting with this patience and this anticipation mm-hmm. and how we do that in the end. And it always reminds me, you know, as I wait, I, I should be waiting with the nearness of God as my delight. That's a great word as we close out this podcast and this year. So, Deanna, thank you and God bless.